0: Are
1: you ready to get started? This morning's scripture from Matthew's Gospel is a preacher's dream. It's a dream. Dream come true. A few weeks ago, when I began preparing this sermon, trying to get ahead of things before the craziness of our move to here in Arlington, I read these lines in Matthew's Gospel and thought to myself, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Those who receive you also receive me, and those who receive me also receive the one who sent me. Or, to put it another way, those who receive me are also receiving Jesus, and those who receive Jesus are also receiving God, the one who sent Jesus to us. This really is a preacher's dream come true. It is the perfect text for this first Sunday. Of mine and my family's here at Mount Olivet. It's like the organizers of the lectionary, the three year cycle of scripture that helps communities read through the entire narrative of scripture. It's like those organizers knew that I would be here July 2nd, 2017, and that on this same Sunday, countless pastors and preachers would be moving throughout the conference to have their very first sermons in their new churches. It's like the organizers of the lectionary knew that I would be here with you this morning. When we receive someone, we are engaging in the act of welcoming or hospitality. And in order to receive something, whether it be something real, like maybe a living person, or maybe something like an Amazon Prime box from UPS, The separation that once existed between those two things disappears. It goes away. And upon our act of receiving, we're welcoming that person or that object into our lives, for better or for worse, just as they are or just as it is. And this really plays out perfectly for us, does it not? Part of our charge as disciples of Jesus is to transform the world, sharing the good news with the world, The light to the world, the light of Christ. We are part of a multi-billion—that's billion billion with a B—member global movement that has been charged and is charged by the Giver of all life to transform the world. Let me hear you say, "Transform the world." All right. Now let's take it a step a step further. We are part of the Methodist family. This church started not as a United Methodist church, but just as a Methodist Protestant church. And our slogan in the United Methodist church today is, open hearts, open minds, and open doors. Have Anybody ever heard that before? Okay, a few of us. All right, that slogan then pairs even more perfectly with our text this morning. Matthew's writing tells us that when we welcome someone, or just really anyone, we are welcoming Christ Jesus, and thus we are welcoming God. And with our open hearts, open minds, and open doors in the United Methodist Church, it's hard to not see the correlation between what Jesus said and what our denomination advertises. This this morning's scripture from Matthew's Gospel is a first Sunday at your new appointment, your first appointment, preachers' dream come true. You know the the first time that I drove down Mount or drove by Mount Olivet, I was coming down Glebe Road and I was turning into the parking lot. And and then just the other evening, when Allison, Camden, and I were taking Rosie Penelope, she's our uh, barely seventeen pound beagle, for a walk, we, we could tell that this community. And this church is ready to receive new people in the name of Jesus. In the parking lot, there's a sign that says a welcoming congregation. On the property of the church and throughout the neighborhood, you are telling people that they're welcomed. And even on your churches, or on our church, it's our church now, on the Facebook banner, it says inclusive, life-changing, serving, This church and its members have proclaimed to this community and to the world that you are ready to receive anyone in the name of Jesus. I found out those words become much more of a reality during things like community assistance. And we really saw that in action this past week when children... The youngest members of this community were invited to take over this church to learn more about what it means to be a disciple of a 1st century Jew. And my family has seen it in the way that you've welcomed us this week. And another point about our text this morning, it is typically it's a rallying cry that a lot of pastors use in their churches to implore its members, the people that are sitting next to you this morning. It's a rallying cry to go out and do good things in the name of Jesus, to welcome people into the church, anybody, everybody. We want more people to come through these doors. But there's a problem. And the problem is that with lectionary selections, specifically this Sunday, they're not just limited to the gospel reading. There are two Old Testament readings this morning, two Psalter readings, the gospel reading, and an epistle reading. And that's where this morning's scripture becomes not so much of that dream come true, especially on your first Sunday at your first appointment. Things get a little complicated. The problem The problem is that we no longer live in a world where people are beating down the doors of the church to get in. We live in a a post-Christendom ministry field, and that requires us to rethink, to re-examine the techniques and methods that we've used for evangelism that worked so well back when the church was at the center, literally was the center of every community. And that's where Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 6, really comes in to help us. Here's what Paul wrote. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from dead and offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons of right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under law, but instead you are under grace. And then in verse 18, he says this. Once you offered the parts of your body to be used as slaves to impurity and to lawless behavior that leads to still more lawless behavior. Now you should present the parts of your body as slaves to righteousness, which makes your lives holy. The problem, the problem with this text and then putting it with our United Methodist sales pitch of open hearts, open minds, open doors, is that we think that just by printing that material on some brochures or postcards or putting it on a website that we are now somehow a welcoming community, ready and willing to receive anyone who walks through our doors. But what happens after a person or a family walks in and then the honeymoon's over? What happens after we've welcomed someone in and then we realize that he or they or she thinks differently than we do? Maybe their theology isn't Wesleyan enough. Maybe they're too conservative or not conservative enough or maybe they're too liberal. Maybe they've loved the wrong person or have made some life choices that you and I would never make. When the honeymoon period is over, we forget that we've been brought back to life from death by Christ. We forget that as disciples, we are charged with living a righteous life, that, that we need to be aware of our own individual tendencies that allow sin to take, to take power over our relationships with one another. With, with those whom who we've been committed to living together with in a community of faith. If we are truly going to live as a church with open hearts, open minds, and open doors, truly being welcoming and anxiously awaiting the opportunity to receive new disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to understand that because our relationships with one another, the people sitting next to you this morning and the folks who are upstairs, that that is a witness to our community, declaring that our hearts and our minds and our doors have been opened. That is what Jesus is talking about, and then Paul elaborates on a little bit more, telling us that receiving one another with grace just as we are, as people who sinned this morning, will sin tomorrow, and probably sin the next day. Receiving one another in the same way, the same way that Christ, the one who receives everyone. Grace is at the center of what we do as disciples of Jesus. Jesus. And that's why I love our Wesleyan theology. We know that we have the love of God given to us without cost, given preveniently. And we know that when we accept that grace that's been offered to us, that we are justified before God, and then we can move towards this idea of sanctification. We know that for ourselves. But how often do we afford that same grace to one another? The people that we're sitting next to every Sunday morning. Our witness to the community, the invitation of welcome to a new life in Christ, comes from the way that we love one another. Our slogan, open hearts, open minds, and open doors, is empty if we do not have the same attitude with one another. If we understood receiving and welcoming as having been welcomed unnaturally by God, by God and Christ, then our slogan would be changed to opened hearts, opened minds, and opened doors. I offer it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.